You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a recent one-man vigil. Guess, guys, we had a few of these here recently, and our good friend Craig Hansen, our man in the Bay Area, was out in Stockton, California, at a Christians United for Israel event, and he'll talk a little bit about it. This is actually the second time he was out there, and so he had some interesting developments, I think, and we'd like to talk about that. Of course, we've done over 150, I don't know, we're probably closing in on 200 of these vigils around the country back before the Gulf War. We were actually doing these in October, November of 2002, so we've been at this for 14 years now, and these are not mass protests, and generally we have a few people, but in this case, Craig was by himself, they knew he was there, and he had some interesting reaction, and he actually was brave enough to actually go inside and listen to the speakers there, so I think Craig's got a lot of interesting things, and our hats off to you, Craig, for standing up for truth, and we've talked about our signs, but I'll let you get into all the signs that you sure. had there. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, thank you, Tom and Chuck. It's always an interesting experience to uh, get out there and stand up with, the, with signs in front of a church. I have to admit, my stomach was a little, a little queasy, <laughs> and just just getting out as the lone man. But then I, I, I kept praying and said, "Okay, Lord, give give me strength for this, because I, I know You're calling me to do this." And so then it was really good. Now, as I start telling the story, you'll you'll see why the Lord strengthened me. Basically, just give you a little background. Called uh, Lakewood Assembly Church, and it's in Stockton, California, and it's an Assembly of God church, and it's you know totally what we call PMD, Premillennial Dispensational, and so they're they're locked up tight into that whole dispensational theological position, and so I don't expect anybody that's there uh, on staff in the church to move from the position. Our goal is to just show parishioners as they come to the meeting, like, you know, whoa, why would Christians be picketing our church? What is going on? Why is this guy out there with these yellow signs? Kind of picture the setting. The main road in front of the church, it basically runs east and west, and the church sits on the north side of that road. And then there's a road that goes alongside of the church on the uh, west side, that goes north, and that's the only way you can get into the church. So you come in either from either east or west, turn north, and come up the road and into the parking lot. Well, it made a great situation because I was able to put my truck on that north road, so everybody that came to the meeting had to either turn right or turn left, right past my truck, and go up to the parking lot. And so in the back window of the truck, I had the yellow sign, Jesus is not a Zionist, and then on the, I had my bicycle rack, on the back of the truck with a big four-foot-by-four-foot sign that says Innocent Blood Gaza on that. 
And as the evening wore on, as the people would turn in, the headlights would light up the whole back of the truck and everything. So that was great. And then so then now I'm at the corner, and I've got uh, two sets of signs, one that says, No More Wars for Israel. And as the evening wore on, and I had a little uh, LED light on the sidewalk shining up at the sign. So that was went up invisible. And then on my other hand, I had uh, a, a double sign which said, Choose Life, Not War. And on the uh, No More Wars for Israel sign, it, it's an Israeli tank coming down the street with a, a Palestinian ready to throw a rock at the, at the tank. And then the, uh, the, the uh, other sign backed up to uh, uh, Choose Life, Not War is who would Jesus bomb? And that's one of our classics because, you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he's not into destruction and, and destroying lives. He's into building lives and re- reconstructing lives. So those are the signs I had. And I I just gotten started. It was still light, and I was kind of getting in position on the corner for his maximum visibility. It's a fairly active street that goes east and west in front of the church. And so I was getting that together, and this uh, SUV comes by from the east and just comes in and pulls in past my truck, and he kind of honks his horn and kind of waves me over. And, uh, and he goes, oh, what's all this? And I start talking. I said, do you go to the church here? He says, no, we go to a church down the street. And it turns out that his name is Raid, and they're Palestinian Christians. And huh. it was just like it was like the shot in the arm that I needed to say yes huh. I'm supposed to be here. This is why I'm here. And we talked a little bit about the evils of Christian Zionism, Zionism Pacific, and obviously Christian Zionism in support of Zionism, and uh, how, how you know he, he agrees totally with our mission. He said, you know, thank you so much for the work you're doing there. He took a picture of my signs and our website. And so I was really blessed by him turning in with his family. He had his wife and his two little daughters with him. And so I saw that really as a divine meeting. So um, anyway, that's kind of the setting. And while I was standing there on the corner last week, Mark Blitz, who was the uh, Kufi guest speaker, he was up at a Calvary Chapel in uh, Grants Pass, Oregon, and did a whole Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, questions and answers Sunday night, Monday night with questions and answers. So you got uh, five audios that you can pull off the Calvary Chapel Grants Pass website if you're interested. And he just talked and talked and talked about all kinds of the Hebraic roots. He's also the guy of the blood moon fame and that the, the whole quatred and the, the whole thing that Jesus is supposed to be coming back. And, and since Jesus didn't come back the last uh, blood moon, he's saying, well, uh, he, he's, he's going to come back uh, on, the, on this feast or whatever feast it is. Uh, maybe I, I really don't know the year, but you know it could it could be it's going to be this this feast, whatever year it's going to be. Well, definitely backpedal. Sold a lot of books hyping up Jesus coming back with this tetrad blood moon thing. But anyway, so since it didn't happen, he kind of changed his story a little bit. Anyway, so I was listening to his recordings from that while I held my signs up and just smiled at the people as they, they came in. I'd say the number of people that were in the church uh, it's probably. I'd say maybe three to four hundred people. It was a it was a pretty good turnout. It's a it's a fairly large Assembly of God church there in Stockton. And while I was holding my signs, this uh, this gentleman came up and said, "I just wanted to see what you're all about here." And I asked him if he was a member of the church, and he said yes. And I gave him just the basic thing: who we hold these truths are, what we believe, and what the message we're trying to get out, the dangers of Zionism and Christian Zionism in particular. 
and why it doesn't represent Jesus and so forth and so on. So I was talking to him, and I said, you know, often in these meetings, I said, Jesus isn't mentioned at all. And he says, well, you know, I noticed that this morning. So apparently Bill spoke at that morning service at the church, and he was aware of that. So I just further showed him that that's usually what's missing in all these kooky gatherings is Jesus. So he went away just like, wow, you know, I have a better understanding of that. So that was good. And so I kept holding my signs up, and it got darker and darker. A little while later, two gentlemen come walking down to see me, and it turns out it was the same staff member that came out to talk to me last year when I was there. And we had been in an email conversation prior to this event. And so I was, you know, really happy to see him. And, and he was, he was cordial. And so, uh, you know, again, talking, talking more about uh, almost the same things I talked to uh, the gentleman before, but just going through more of the, the Christian Zionism and more of the theology and asking him, has, you know, had he heard about the replacement theology teaching? And pointing out that what I was hearing a lot from Biltz and Randy Neal and uh, these other Christian Zionists is what I call the straw man argument. They throw out this accusation of replacement theology, how the church has replaced the Jews. The church is now God's chosen people, and the, the Jews have been cast aside, and you know, never the twain shall meet. And, you know, that is not what I believe. That's not what we believe. We hold these truths definitely not what's uh, taught in a book that we all really appreciate, uh, These Brothers of Mine by Rob Dalrymple. We teach that the people of God are a continuation, you know, from Adam all the way through to the end. And people of God are the called out ones. And there's always been a remnant of some kind. And so I explained replacement theology to the staff guy, and I said, you know, this, this is a straw man argument. You build this up and say, yeah, well, this isn't true, therefore what these people say isn't true. And so it's kind of a false accusation, and they were able to dismiss it. It's kind of those ad hominem attack where they shoot the messenger and don't come after the facts. Anyway, I talked to him quite a bit, and I said, you know, just look at this. Any theology that supports the killing of innocents is not from Jesus. And he had to agree with that. You know, uh, killing innocent people in the name of Christ you know, is wrong. And it's so, a well, you know, we're not really killing him in the name of Jesus. We're just supporting the people who do that. And so, well, it's, it's, it's the same thing. You become an accessory to the crime by who you start. It's kind of like driving the getaway car. The meeting started at 6, and so I stood out there with my sign until about uh, 6.40 because there are definitely some late arrivals. Uh, and the way the, the, these meetings go is usually about the first 30 to 45 minutes is usually a bunch of Jewish dancing songs, a lot of uh, Jewish flag waving, and they usually blow the shofar and uh, the ram's horn and all, all that stuff. So I, I, I can't tell you what actually went on in this one because I was, I was late to the party by the time I got in there, but the, the music was, was over. And Randy Neal, who is the area director for Kufi in the West Coast here, he was talking and just giving his uh, usual Kufi spiel about how important Kufi is and that it's gone from 500,000 members to 3 million and so forth. It's the largest pro-Israel group outside of Israel. And I think, Chuck, we've talked about that before, that all they have to do is get on their email list. You're considered a Kufi supporter. You know, I don't think there's that many people who really financially support this organization, but they definitely like to tout those numbers. Anyway, Randy was talking, and then Bill picked it up a little bit later, a phrase that I'd never heard before. And every time I, I sit down 
on one of these things. I always, I always learn something, and most of the time my blood pressure just goes up a little bit. But <laughs> this is a new phrase. It's called erasement theology. Not replacement, but erasement theology. And it's an accusation that they throw out to uh, what the Arabs want to do. They want to erase Israel. It's what the United Nations want to do. And so Randy talked about a lot about how there's apparently some resolution or something before the United Nations to uh, force Israel to go back to the pre-67 boundaries and how the president may withhold a United States veto from that resolution. And obviously Russia wouldn't veto. And uh, I, I don't know if, if Great Britain would or whatever, but that was something they were talking about. And so lobbed into that group of the erasement theologians would be the Arabs, the United Nations, and also Christians who don't support Zionism. So we become erasement theologians trying to erase Israel. So that was new to me. I had never heard that one. And then Randy introduced the Kufi on campus. And we've seen that in many of the, the recent meetings, and that's where the focus is becoming, because the baby boomers, the people of, of my generation, our generation, who have supported Israel unquestionably for, for years and years and years, are still there, and, and they have, they're not changing their mind. And I think, Chuck, you've always said, you know, don't try to argue with the gray hair, because they're, they're, you're not going to get anywhere. But the young people are waking up. They're not swallowing hook, line, and sinker of the message that's put out, the, the standard line about how Israel is the poor victim and so forth and so on. So Kufi is, it has a major thrust at Kufi on campus. So they played about a 15-minute video about Kufi on campus, and then they had a young lady who was going to be leading a Kufi on campus meeting down at Delta College, which is there in Stockton, and then she's going to be transferring up to Sac State and wants to start a chapter there of Kufi on campus at Sac State. And what, again, what is interesting about all this is in the video it presents that this young man is saying, yes, you know, you'll, you'll be equipped to be able to fight the lies that Israel doesn't have a, a right to the land, the lie that Israel is an apartheid state. But anyway, uh, then they, the gal gave her a little testimony on how important Kufi on campus has been, and she's gone back to the the Kufi summit in Washington, D.C., and just really felt empowered to stand for Israel and how important it is to do that. And then she introduced Mark Bilt, and he's basically a Judaizer. His big thing is the feast. He's part of El Shaddai Ministries, which is a Sabbath-keeping group. He doesn't call them a Messianic congregation because he feels that Messianic, using that term, is very offensive to the Jewish community. So they call it a Hebraic Roots organization. And they're bringing the Hebrew root into the fellowship and keeping all the feasts. And so most of the time he spent talking about the feast and basically uh, kind of esoteric uh, nuances of the Hebrew, the Hebrew language and, and the script and how this, this little letter means that. You put this with that and that means this. And, and A to Z, but as uh, uh, odd, uh, elf, whatever else is, the Zav and all, all this stuff. And I was looking around, and it's, people were kind of, okay, what's, what's he really talking about here? One thing I saw on a YouTube video where he was talking about uh, people accuse him of being an occultist because of his hand symbols, and he uses Mr. Spock, the Vulcan sign for live long and prosper, and... He was saying it's Jewish and so forth. And 
what he does, he mixes Old Testament with the Talmud, with the Kabbalah, and presents it as this is what Judaism is today. And these are the people we're supposed to support. And it's this mixture. And again, from day one of these meetings, I've always talked about white is black, black is white, yes is no, no is yes. It's totally convoluted as they mix this occultic Kabbalah out of Babylon in the Talmud. They mix this in with Old Testament Hebraic teachings that we would all say, okay, that's what David and Samuel and all these guys taught. Mix it all together, put it into a pot, and say, we're supposed to support this stuff. And that's where I just kind of shake my head and I go, I I don't get it. I just don't get it. So I don't think he made a real impact for for Kufi and how important Israel is. I think Randy Neal did a a much better job as, you know, putting out the Kufi message. But a lot of it is still the same PMD idea is that God has an eternal covenant with uh, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. It's always the Jewish people and nation of Israel. That phrase always goes together. It still does in, in this meeting. And they always talk about, you know, God's internal covenant, and it doesn't matter what the people do. And, you know, I've got all kinds of scriptures that show that, yes, it does matter what God's people did as far as being able to have a right to go back to the land. And they, they just keep harping on that thing. And, and that God's eternal covenant, you know, we've, we've talked about that before in other podcasts, where the word alam, when it means translated forever or eternal, that it, it means a, a long time. And the, the long time was as long as you're obedient to me, you can stay in the land. And it, when you cease to be obedient to me and follow my, my ways, I will remove you from the land. That's totally clear in Scripture. Then he introduced Simon Wiesenthal, apparently talking about a concentration camp and some Nazi survivor. I guess Wiesenthal uh, survived a camp. I'm, I'm, I got a little uh, mixed up on some of that. You can probably look that up on Google. But apparently there was some hospital where a Nazi soldier called in Wiesenthal to ask for forgiveness for what the Nazi had done. And Wiesenthal just stared at him and, and looked at him. And then uh, Bill poses that question, you know, should Wiesenthal have forgiven the Nazi soldier? He says, Christians say yes, and the Jews say no. And he said that the Jewish response is, the person that grants forgiveness has to be the one that's harmed. And since the ones that are harmed were dead, they can't grant for forgiveness, and therefore Wiesenthal couldn't grant forgiveness. I thought it was kind of an interesting take on the difference between uh, Jewish philosophy and Jesus philosophy, who says, you know, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And even those that you know, didn't actually drive the spikes into his hand, Jesus was granting forgiveness to them because of the hardness of their heart. Anyway, that, that was kind of interesting. The presentation closed with a, a rabbi, and he started by saying that at first he was very wary of uh, Christian Zionists until he saw how much support they gave to Israel and his people. And he says, especially on college campuses, he's talking specifically the University of Santa Cruz. And he was saying that they've had Students for Justice in Palestine and other groups that uh, have, have basically fought against the, uh, the Jewish lobby or the clubs or whatever else is down there. And he felt that they were standing alone. But he says, thanks to Kufi, and we don't need to stand alone anymore. And he was just praising Kufi for the support that they're giving to the, uh, the state of Israel and how, how wonderful it is for that relationship now to exist 
between the, the Jewish community and Kufi. So that was the end, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to stick around here a little bit. And so the, the people left and so forth, and the music stopped. And so I thought, I'm going to go down and talk to the pastor. And so there were people standing around the pastors, you know, saying how wonderful it was. They were so glad to be a part of, of this congregation and, and getting this, uh, the education and so forth and so on. And so then they, he was, you know, shaking hands with everybody. And that finally became my turn. And I introduced myself as this is Craig Hansen with, uh, We Hold These Truths. I said, I, I want, want you to put a, a face with the email that I sent you. And, uh, I was the one holding the signs out in front of your church. And I asked him if he had any opportunity to read over the material, the links and so forth that I put in the email. And he said, no, that he didn't read them. And he says, you have your way and we have our way and we're just going to agree to disagree. And which I didn't, I never agreed to disagree. So I don't know why he, he included me in that one. But, and then I said, well, I, I'm sure pastor that you are a seeker of truth. And he says, yes. And that was the end of, end of the, the conversation as, as, as I walked And they out. moved on, huh? Frank, was it evident that Jesus was left outside? Uh, totally, absolutely, and that's it's the you know that is the the thing that stands out like the elephant in the room. That uh-huh. you know here you call you call yourself a Christian church. You're you know basically this is a Pentecostal charismatic jump up and down Hallelujah Jesus kind of church. You know thank you Lord, and Jesus isn't there, and it, it is it is the most crazy thing. That I say, oh, and one other thing I wanted to point out, too. When Biltz was talking, he was quoting about, you know, what is the most important commandment? Well, you should love the Lord that God with all his heart and soul and mind. Anyway, he quoted some passage, and I haven't, I haven't pulled it up yet where he found it. But he, he talked about, do not stand against the blood of your neighbor. Apparently something like, if you see your neighbor being injured, you've got to do something. You can't just stand against it, let it happen. Says you got to do something, and you have to enlist others to come alongside. And of course, it was all in the context of Israel. And I thought this is the one point that I can absolutely agree with Bill, and that's why I'm out there. Is that I cannot stand against the blood of my neighbors, my Palestinian brothers and sisters in Christ, who are persecuted, trodden down, harassed by this Israeli state. And I've got to say something, and that's something that we've, we've all talked about before, that once this, this grabs you, you can't just remain silent. You know, to do so would be to violate what the Lord has shown us already, and in that we've got to do something. And so, so this was my way of doing something, and, and you guys as well, as we put out the material and try to educate, especially the evangelical church, on what Christian Zionism is all about, and that we got to enlist the service of others. So even though I was by myself again this year, hopefully uh, the next year, and maybe maybe I, I, my, our prayer is that uh, the Lakeview Assembly will not invite Kufi back again, but they're, they're pretty strongly attached to that organization, so I'm sure they will. But I, my prayer is that we'll, we'll enlist others to uh, be alongside me with other signs next year as well. Greg, I'd like to ask, did you have the feeling that you were sitting in on some kind of a Jewish worship service, it's, it just almost sounds like it's something that you'd expect to get in the synagogue uh, yes. rather yeah, than it, what it you'd really expect is, to get in a church. Exactly. You know, that's, they, uh, Kufi, as a point of policy, do, do, do not believe in evangelism. 
They don't believe in proselytizing, as they call it. There's nothing about Jesus in their presentation because they don't want to offend the, the Jewish community. They just want to show their support for that Jewish community. And so exactly that's what you, you said, Chuck. It, it has a whole Jewish celebration flavor without, without Christ. And it's absolutely nuts to, to watch it. it, it you know, and I, like, you, like you said, I mean, I was there five years ago. Five six years ago, I would have I would have said you know oh this is great we're supporting we're supporting you know God's chosen people you know pray for the peace of Jerusalem you know I I would have been there um, yeah, and we'll but, we'll worry about Jesus next week exactly yeah exactly right and uh-huh. it's a it's an incredible incredible situation and I my prayer is that the the congregants would just recognize what's really going on and hopefully you know by my presence side they're going to question some of this like whoa what's what's going on here but like the pastor he is too vested and that's that's what i've seen over and over again is the, the pastoral staff are just too vested in this whole paradigm to even question it and just like he said he didn't read my email he didn't read the, the links i mean it's it's very clear if you want information about what's wrong with christian zionism all you do is just click 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 and read for five minutes. I mean, this this is not a difficult proposition, but if you do that, you're opening yourself up to maybe what I believe is wrong. And they, they these guys cannot go there because they're too vested. I mean, their whole their their paycheck, their pension, their well-being. I mean, every they can't do it. They just they can't go there. And your use of time was so good because you went there just before the crowd went in, and then you were prepared to go on in yourself and that's the brave part of it is to walk in by yourself don't you feel a little nervous walking in there we have we've had a number of people that have been removed when they went into churches uh, yeah uh, i was you know i i definitely i definitely took off the the shirt that tom gave me that says jesus is not a zionist across the back i didn't i had it on, <laughs> had it on the street but i i did take that that shirt off i, I knew that would have probably got me thrown out that I'm respectful. I don't cause any problems. I usually sit off by myself someplace. So when they make the, the plea, stand up for your support for Israel. You know, I look around the room and I was the only one sitting down, but, you know, that's all right. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to stand up and endorse any of this at all. I did thank the pastor for allowing me to, to talk to him, and he wasn't aggressive at all. He was very curt, and he was like, no, I didn't read it, and we, you, you go your way and I'll go mine. Which is really sad to me is that if the only thing you listen to is the things that you agree with, there's no growth in that. And I've got John Hagee's book on my bookshelf uh, in defense of Israel. I've read that. I've got several books on um, premillennial dispensation written by these guys. I read those things. And I look at it. I go, okay, well, this, this is their jumping logic here. This is their assumption here, which is invalid. And I'm able to look at in how they develop their thought. And that's why I can talk to these people and say, well, let's, let's look at the scriptures. What does the scripture say? What do they really say? Wow, Craig, that was, that was powerful. Thank you for, uh, for stepping up to the plate, so to speak. And One man and army. One man army, absolutely is. And ladies and gentlemen, please listen to Craig's testimony, Confessions of a Former Zionist. Craig even attended the uh, Assembly of God Bible School. So he's been educated in all this and had believed a number of years ago what was going on there. So his testimonial to the waking up of 
what is going on in these churches is very, very powerful. And so once again, thank you, Craig, for a job. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.